Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Life Up Here. Look who's back. You guys are blessed. Blessed indeed. <laughs> Welcome, Pakistan. That's fun. Hi. That's fun. And yes, we welcome Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yeah, mine will not slide. Yeah, mine will. Um, we've, got, we've got phones falling. It's not a big deal. Um, okay. We've got a lot. We've got yeah, a lot are. to talk about. Yes. Yes. We all know <laughs> that we are blessed to have John. John does not have a confidence issue at all. Okay. It's not pride. I just know who I am. <laughs> okay, <maybe. laughs> not mine to judge yeah. anyway <laughs> um on sunday i i got to teach and and we talked about we so we've been in a series got i got to teach they let me teach <laughs> we let a woman in the pulpit finally uh, that's sarcasm in case yes. I didn't translate well. <laughs> I teach all the time, but we're on a rotation right now. So um, anyway, what did I talk about? Oh, we talked about Concord. So we've been in a series called The Shepherd's Crook, and and we're winding it up this week, by the way. And um, But last week we talked about being conquered, being conquered by the love of God. And and we started in, um, in Genesis talking about... Um, Moses and um, and then Genesis Exodus. We are in Exodus because we started where um, Moses was actually called to go and free Israel from Egypt. But to understand all that was transpiring there, we did hop over to Genesis to look at Abraham's life, and we did so because. Moses said, what, what do you want me to tell these people? Like, you want me to just go under my own name? And God responds by telling him, basically, no, I want you to go under the promise of their forefathers, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, um, and I think that that's even interesting. I'm going to mention this, but don't let me go down this rabbit hole. It's interesting that um, he's referred to as Jacob. It is, it's known that until his last day that he still referred to himself as Jacob, he never fully identified with himself as Israel. I mean, really, God should be saying, tell them that, that you're coming under the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, right? But Israel never fully understood who they were in Christ. So um, we're not going to go down that, okay. that rabbit hole. It would be fun, but we're not going there. Um, this is how I want to set the, this stage. We're, gonna, we're going to be presenting a whole lot of what ifs this morning. And, and we love a good what if. And I'm not talking, I've heard lately, this is so weird to me, that um, people talking like kind of dissing what ifs because they bring up what ifs as in negative scenarios. That's not this. We love what ifs around here because we love questions. We love to be able to investigate truth and, and that sort of thing. So this is a, a really good what if for us to investigate. So anything that you hear us talking about today and always, you need to go and, and, and talk to, to Jesus about it. You and Holy Spirit need to go have a whole powwow about what it is that, that we're bringing to the table because um, – perhaps God has a whole different angle to, to reveal to you. 
Mm-hmm. So um, if anything, we're hoping to just stir up curiosity uh, about things. Okay. So I really felt like, so we know that God is showing up in, in a very mighty, powerful, intimidating way right now. I don't know about you, but for me, it's it's a little disorienting and I feel like I don't fully understand me right now. I feel like he's asking me to do things that I ordinarily wouldn't consider doing. And, and, and honestly, he's asking me to do so in real time. And it's very intimidating and, and seeing things that I wouldn't ordinarily see. But I think that the reason is, is because God is revealing lies. And I want to read just this one portion of scripture. And this is, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. It's actually one of my favorite parts of scripture because, you know, Jesus we're going to start. Oh, where do we want to start? Okay, okay, okay. I should have investigated this. We're going to start at 34. Just know that he's having a conversation with the Pharisees. Um, no, we got to back up. We're going to go. Sorry, Vince. We're going to go <laughs> John 8, 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. I love that. Surprised by this, they said that we're the descendants of Abraham and we're already free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. <laughs> it's kind of laughable, isn't it? They didn't even know their own history. <laughs> right. It's like, um, okay. Um, how could you say that we will be released into more freedom? I speak eternal truth, Jesus said. When you sin, you are not free. You've become a slave in bondage to your sin. And slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does. For a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. Hi, Lisa. Even though you are descendants of Abraham, you desire to kill me because the message I bring has not found a home in your hearts. You, yet the truth I speak, I've seen and received in my father's presence, but you are doing what you've learned from your father. Whoa. That's like, calm down, Jesus, right? (laughs) He's totally dissing these people (laughs) because they so associated themselves with um, with Abraham, yet they didn't fully understand that the lies that Abraham had got himself ensnared in and because of those lies was provoked to find his own way. Even though, even though the promise that was over his life was extraordinary, extraordinary. Look, and all that you can see, I will give to you. That's the initial promise that God gives Abraham. Look, and all that you see, I will give to you. And then he tells him that your descendants will be as innumerable, innumerable as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Those are huge promises. And yet Abraham believed the lie that he needed to make his own way. When famine hit the promise, Abraham got fearful and believed that there had to be a different way. God was somehow not there for them. And so he ran to Egypt for the answers, right? So that's why Jesus is now associating them with a different father altogether. 
What do you mean? They replied, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you are really Abraham's son, then you would follow in the steps of Abraham. I've only told you the truth that I've heard in my father's presence, but now you are wanting me dead. Is that how Abraham acted? No, you people are doing what your father has taught you. Dang, Jesus. (laughs) Indignant, they responded. What are you talking about? Right? I think some of us are in this very space right now. Like, what are you talking about? These promises that I've been banking on, these things that have been set up as spoken promises over my life, these prophetic words. What are you talking about, Jesus? I think that sometimes the prophetic words that have been spoken over our lives were really warnings that we should have been battling against and we settled. I've only told you the truth that I've heard in my father's presence, but now you are wanting me dead. Is that how Abraham acted? No, you people are doing what your father has taught you. Indignant, they responded, what are you talking about? We only have one father, God himself. We're not illegitimate. Jesus said, then if God were really your father, you would love me for I've come from his presence. I didn't come here on my own, but God sent me to you. Why don't you understand what I say? You don't understand because your hearts are closed to my message. Also where we're at right now, Jesus is wanting to free us from things that have ensnared us for so long. And we are being resistant because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be be us right now. And it is disorienting. 44, you are the offspring of your father, the devil, and you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Who's your father? And this is what God was saying to me the other day. He wasn't calling us illegitimate sons. He was calling him an illegitimate father, right? Like we are accidentally following due to lies, an illegitimate father. And really he's an illegitimate son, right? Like he has no father anymore. And and an illegitimate father is someone who can no longer seed offspring. He can only usurp the offspring of another, right? It's like an illegitimate adoption based on lies. He can only lay hold of us through lies by deceiving us to believing that God is actually not as for us as we want him to be that we somehow have to lean on our own understanding rather than on God, right? And, and you see in here that, that Jesus isn't even holding Abraham's shortcomings against him. He's like, you're not even following Abraham. Abraham did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, which is true because he turned around, right? But he certainly made a mess of things. Where did I, where did I end? Is anybody like keeping track of me? You know, that's your job. Okay. Passionately carrying out his desires. That's what we want to make sure we're not doing. He's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the one who is the true prince for he's full of nothing but lies, lying in his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies, but I am the true prince who speaks nothing but the truth. Yet you refuse to believe and you want nothing to do with me. Can you name one sin that I've committed? Then if I am telling you only the truth, why don't you believe me? If you really knew God, 
you would listen, receive, and respond with faith to his words. But since you don't listen and respond to what he says, it proves you don't belong to him and you have no room for him in your hearts. When we, when we allow ourselves to stay in a place of, of deception, and, and we refuse to allow God, the, the all-consuming fire, to come close and burn up all of those lies, there's no room for anything else. There's only room to continue to cycle around the same spot of the mountain. And that's not what he wants for us. We have to see the way that he's showing up right now as his furious love over us. It's, it's, he's passionate toward us. It's his affections right now. Like seriously, change your mind right now. We need to see the way that he's showing up in this fiery way in this, this, this space of a judge. He is a righteous judge. We need to see that as his affection toward us. That's how much he loves us right now. And he is not judging us to wound us. He is judging the lies that have us stuck. And so whatever is coming up for you right now, this is simple, you guys. It's as simple as, oh my gosh, God, I am so sorry that I believed in this lesser thing. I am so sorry that I trusted in something else other than you. And, And just turn back and face him. Turn and face him. That's what he wants us to turn and face him, no matter how hot he is right now. Turn and face him and allow him to do a deep and wonderful work in you. He's preparing us for a greater expression of glory. There's no space for glory right now because we are filled with lies, right? And I am not talking about us lying one to another. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the act of lying. I'm talking about being ensnared by the father of lies, okay? Let him burn that relationship up to be free once and for all, right? It's for freedom's sake that he has set us free, but we have to partner with freedom and and stop believing that we can somehow make our own way. Now, in this space that we're at, we're, we're like in this critical moment where because it's disorienting and we don't fully understand who we are right now, and God's just looking for people to possess right now, like we need to get possessed, He's looking for bodies that he that will allow him, hosts that will allow him to fully express himself the way that he wants to. Our knee-jerk reaction in the space is to find affirmation. We are addicted to affirmation just as much as we're addicted to prophecy. We are collectors of prophecy and not doing anything about it. But in the same vein, we are addicted to affirmation. We want someone to come along and affirm us. Like, this is what's happening. This is what's, this is what I'm seeing. This is what God is showing me. And we freak out. I'm speaking from like real life experience now. We freak out and we're wanting to be affirmed by someone else. And God was talking to me the other day and he, he's like, Angie, you need to understand that nobody understands where they're at. How can you expect them to understand where you are? And he, he called it intimate strangers. Like these are people that we are intimate with, but they are not capable of handling us the way that we're wanting to be handled. And if you run to them for affirmation right now, you are going to be burned even more than you are by God because it's going to hurt. It's going to feel like being stabbed because they can't handle you right now. They don't know where you're at. And God is asking us more than 
any time other in my life to trust him fully. He just wants a host who will express him fully the way that he's wanting to be expressed right now. Okay, I've set the stage. And I know that you have been like in this, this space of um, researching Abraham's life and, and wanting to kind of get to the bottom of it. So we want to kind of go back to the teaching a little bit that we talked about on Sunday. And um, we know that, that Abraham, famine hit Canaan. And instead of, listen, Abraham was so set up. We were told from the very beginning that we were to be fruitful and multiply and, um, and have dominion over creation, right? So the land was actually his to source, that the land was his to, to reign and rule over, which means we can actually put a demand on the land that it would produce for us as sons and daughters of glory, right? Adam gets it, or Adam, Abraham gets himself freaked out in this space of famine and he runs to Egypt. Instead of stewarding his dominion well, he runs to Egypt for help, for aid. And in doing so, he prostitutes his wife, which is essentially the same as prostituting all of Israel, right? So he is called to be fruitful and to multiply. We already know that his descendants will be as innumerable as the stars. And now he's given, he's giving his wife to Egypt. He's given his, giving his wife to Pharaoh to be part of his harem. And if you need me to break that down for you, he gives his wife to have sex with the king of Egypt. His means of populating the earth has now been handed over to another, to another land altogether. He is, he is, he's breaking oath by doing this. All right. Where do you want to take this? Well, so God said he was going to bless Abraham. I mean, his descendants forever. And uh, the way, like Angie said, when famine hit, now I'm going to stop what I'm saying here and just, these are what ifs. Okay. I haven't got the chance to ponder this long enough. I'm not a big ponderer, if you know me at all. <laughs> Laughable. <laughs> but, I mean, I really only started getting into this. And uh, the one of the things that I've learned about Abraham is he did not like conflict. He was kind of scared of it. It got better later. But the reason why, like Angie said, he was prostituting his wife off is because he was afraid. It, some versions of the Bible actually say that he recognized his wife's beauty all of a sudden. I mean, that ought to go over well with the ladies. Oh, wow, you're actually beautiful. I might get killed because you're so pretty. Tell Pharaoh you're my sister. And he did. I mean, technically she was his half-sister, but still, that's not the point. And that was okay back then. We don't do that no more. Um, anyways, uh, so he goes down there. and Not America. Not America. Goes <laughs> down. He get, they get down to Egypt. Because he is trusting in what Egypt has more than what God has for him in the land that he's been promised. And, uh, you know, like Angie said, he prostitutes his wife. Um, and then, you know, it, God uh, actually curses Pharaoh and uh, 
make some really sick. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't good. And, you know, he comes to find out that Abraham, Sarah is Abraham's wife. And he's like, why'd you do this to me? You know, why did you do this to me? And God actually took this situation and he blessed Abraham because Pharaoh had given him uh, finances. He'd given him land. He'd given him uh, cattle and the stuff back in the day that was very uh, uh, would show off wealth. And when he, he gave Sarah back to Abraham and told him to leave and take everything with him that he was given. So he did get blessed, you know. And then later on, we find out, you know, there was another king and I can't remember all the names. I should have wrote them down, but I didn't. Uh, he does the same thing. He gives his wife to this guy because he's scared the guy's going to kill him because of her beauty. So twice he's given his wife away because he is afraid. All right. He's been told that God will bless him. That blessing hasn't happened yet. He'll be the father of many nations. He hasn't become a dad yet, but he won't trust in that promise because he's so fearful of death. Okay. The promise hasn't been fulfilled, but he's scared of dying. And if he would have believed that the promise has will, will be fulfilled, that shouldn't have been a problem for him. Mm. Okay. So this particular king, though, I think he, uh, he heard God's voice because God told him, don't touch her. And he didn't, but he got mad at Abraham. He's like, what are you doing to me, dude? Why did you give me your wife? Why? And he's like, again, I was scared I was going to die. And uh, it, it just, you know, if you go through and look at the consequences of Abraham's actions when he tried to do stuff on his own instead of waiting for the actual blessings of the Lord, I mean, they still resonate today. All right. And the, here's where we're getting into a big what if. So when, when uh, God promised Sarah told Sarah and Abraham that they were going to have a kid and they were old. Sarah laughed at him. Now, I don't know if he laughed. And this is a what if Sarah could have been pretty ticked off at Abraham for a really long time because twice he gave her up. And I don't know if you've uh, had a woman that doesn't that you don't fight for. They won't hang around you very much. They don't want to be around you. Now, I'm not saying this is true because I, I didn't live back then and I don't know what happened back in the... You and know, we're limited. We're limited. Yeah. You know, this is this is why this is what if. Okay. And so it, when Sarah made the decision to give her servant to Abraham, do you think she did that because she thought, well, he gave me away twice. I'll just give him something else. It's not even a thing anymore. Her heart could have been broken. I don't know. But when you prostitute your wife, there's going to be consequences. Now, I'm not saying that Ishmael was a consequence. Uh, Ishmael is a great nation. I mean, they made a God blessed that yeah. huge nation out of Ishmael. All right. But the, the, the family trauma when they finally had Isaac, Isaac and Ishmael did not get along so well. Okay. The servant and Sarah did not get along well. So 
you know, and Abraham didn't have the guts to actually say, no, Sarah, God's promised me something. But he did see a beautiful servant that he would get to go sleep with. He still was not waiting on the promises of God. He was doing stuff on his own to actually make those promises happen. And God doesn't need our help. He's a pretty big God. Okay, so when he makes a promise, he will keep it. All right. And do you have something? Well, I was just going to say, I, I just kind of wonder even if if Sarah even gave herself to fear a little bit yeah. in this space too, because, I mean, she's old. Listen, I, I'm only, how old am I? Am I 46? I'm 46. Am I? Yes. Or am I 45? No, 46. I just turned 46. 46. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, um, and I can't imagine having a baby right now. Listen, I had babies all through my 20s, six of them in case you wondered. And I don't want to have a baby right now. Like, no. I don't want you and, to have a baby right and now. And she's, she's old. <laughs> She, she is old. She is beyond the Child age of, of bearing a child. And, and so I think she probably gave herself over to fear a little bit also. I mean, she's seen this done over and over with Abraham. And so she's probably like, I'm taking this thing to my own hands. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give birth to the promise. And, and so Abraham, like, I'm tired, Right. What? I was just reading the comments from Kalita. Yeah, I mean, I think later on in life, when God told Abraham to take his son Isaac and sacrifice him, might have been that turning point for Abraham when he said, I absolutely, I will do this. Because I trust you. And I don't know if it was God testing him. I'm pretty sure it was. Just one more time, buddy. Do you trust me? Mm. Do you trust me? And Abraham finally, he was all in finally. You know, and, uh, but I mean, look how, look at all the stuff that was missed out on. All the stuff that now, because of fear and not trusting in the promise that the nation of Israel goes through. Mm -hmm. All right. Ishmael's descendants, what they go through mm -hmm. all because of fear and not waiting on the promise. All right. Trying to put stuff into our own hands. And I mean, the family, Abraham's family descendants, there's, there's a lot of dysfunction. I mean, you just get down to Jacob and Esau. I mean, he was talking about Jacob wouldn't even go by the name Israel. Esau stole a blessing. He would have had his own blessing, I'm sure. He was the eldest. He would have had his own blessing, I'm sure. But he stole the blessing from Jacob out of fear, out of sibling rivalry, because apparently, you know, that family just couldn't get along. I mean, it's, it's down the line. It's nuts, you know. And then the Bible said that God finally told Abraham, he goes, your descendants will be in bondage. What was it, 400 years? I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. All because of this. I mean, this just if you if you go and watch how, how it just goes down, down, down. And plus, the, the land that Abraham was supposed to be given, it was going to go up to the Jordan and to Syria, uh, Lebanon and all this stuff. That was the land he was supposed to get, and he ended up with 
where they are at now, Israel. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and I love it that, that um, he's mentioning um, Isaac is the promised child, and, yeah. and Isaac was the promised child, and, and his name literally means laughter. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's interesting to me that, that God would even name the promise after Sarah's response to, to knowing that she was going to mm-hmm. give birth to a child, and, and she laughs. And, and yeah, right now, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce your name, but um, we do pray, uh, Jesus, we just bless the womb of this family. We, we, we declare over you that you will be fruitful and multiply, that it is your inheritance as one who is seated in Christ, that you will be fruitful and multiply and you will take dominion over the land. And so right now we just bless the womb right now. And if there's any infertility issues, we just bring healing to that space right now. And we declare you whole and that you will know the blessing of having offspring in Jesus name. Uh, I think it's Ishfaq. Uh, whatever. I'm not, sure how to I'm not, I'm not trying to butcher your name. I'm just going to, but I just want to tell you a story. I hope I'm allowed to tell. We have a family in our church. They were told they couldn't have children mm-hmm. and they've gone the adoption route. They've adopted three babies and we just found out that she's pregnant. Even after they told her she could not have children. All right. Jesus is in the business of miracles. Yeah. All right, sir. Prepare for yours. Ma'am. All right. Yes, you you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, want to hear a good report, man? Uh, oh goodness. Okay, so from here, I I want to shift into into to going back to the story of Moses and his encounter that he has at Mount Sinai when he sees the burning bush that is aflame but not burning up, mm-hmm. and and he's frightened. He's frightened. So listen, let's Me too. take, take <laughs> notes here that even though God is presenting himself in a more fierce manner than we are accustomed to, it's okay if you're feeling frightened and unsettled right now, but it is not okay for you to turn your back. Mm. Okay. Do not turn your back on what it is that he's doing right now, or you're going to miss out on what follows. He is preparing us to be able to host more of his glory. This has everything to do with him being a good father. Okay. We know that a good father creates discipline in his children. And that is what is happening right now. He is bringing discipline to us so that we can turn and face his heat. He's coming as an all consuming fire. Okay. So he comes to Moses as an all consuming fire. And we know how the story unfolds. You know, God gives him a commission to go into Egypt and free his people. And and it's a it's a fun story. Go and read it for yourself. We're not going to take the time to, to go through the whole of it. But we do know that eventually, like it wasn't as cut and dry as, as it sounded like at that burning bush. Like, hey, go tell them this. And then, you know, you're going to lead them out. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't. And, and I still need to go and look and... I just don't know, you know, how many, how many years it actually, or how much time I should say it took for, for Moses to complete this mission. But um, we do know the series of events and, and things got crazy in the release of Israel. 
and and we we see great miracles performed. We see great signs and wonders, and um, and eventually Pharaoh's like get out of here, like just go. And and we know that that um, God is the God of return. So anything that has been stolen from us, even in deception will be returned. So I want you to bank on that. Number one, like there is promise wrapped up in the freedom that he's bringing to your life right now. So if you've been ensnared in lies and listen, I think that God is going deep. He's going deep. He's going back. He's, um, he is wanting to untangle things generationally. So don't be surprised if he starts talking about your family line in these days, because he's bringing about a deep sense of freedom. He, he it's he's in the roots, so to speak, and um, so he leads them out. And as they go, they plunder Egypt, and and this isn't even in a battleesque kind of way. It's like Egypt is giving up the gold, right? And, and we know that there was even a river in Eden that gave up the gold, and so this is kind of a like story where. Egypt had been a space of actually great wealth for Israel and 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 then turned to enslavement. And now Egypt is giving up the gold. And so they plunder Egypt on their way out. And and we know that it is like like the crescendo of all things when they come to and they're being chased because Pharaoh changes his mind and decides they must die. And um, and we know that God parts the waters. How magnificent would that be? Also a promise that I think that we can bank on right now that even though what it is that you may be up against, like whatever the the ens- the ensnared lies that have you right now, um, even though that may seem tumultuous and too much, just know that he's the God that parts the waters, right? Like we get to walk through on dry ground and the enemy may be chasing you, but the enemy will be swallowed up. And on this side of the cross, we already know that the enemy is defeated. So we must stand as those who know that the enemy is under our foot, right? We have to understand that we have been deceived into believing lies and we have become entangled in these lies, these generational lies. And, and, and God's just had enough. He's untangling them right now. He's burning them up. So um, anyway, they get into the same space that, that Moses is in and the same place that he, that is encounter for Moses becomes a death sentence for Israel. Now, why is this? Israel can't come close to Sinai or they'll die. This is encounter for Moses, but a death sentence for Israel. This has everything to do with heart posture, right? We have to have our hearts postured right toward God. Israel was still willing to in a knee-jerk fashion, turn their back on God because they didn't understand how he was encountering them in this time. They wanted to go back to enslavement. If you have any sense of thinking that enslavement is better for you, where you're at right now is better for you than turning and facing the fire, it, this will. It'll be a death sentence for you. You spiritually, listen, I am not like condemning anybody to death. Um, but spiritually, you will have a sense of death. There will not be life on it for you. And, and so the same way that Moses, in, in the same time, the same time, Moses is experiencing Sinai as encounter 
and it's a death sentence for the rest of Israel. So there, there, we really need to, to use wisdom right now and give ourselves fully to the fear of the Lord. This was something that, that Moses was capable of finding a space that was safe for him to enter into the count, encounter of the Lord through the vein of the fear of the Lord. Because God says to him at that burning bush, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for this is holy ground. And I think in this space, and I've wondered this, you know, I've kind of wrestled with this and this could mean various things. But right now what I feel like God is revealing as far as him asking him to take off his sandals because he's on holy ground is take off your own way. Right. Our shoes carry us. Take off your own way. You're on holy ground. You're in my space, Moses, in my space. We all need to take off our shoes right now and understand that we are on holy ground. He is encountering us in a, a holiness that we have likely never experienced before. And it is unto something. God wants the nations. He's not settling with the church here, there, and everywhere. He wants the nations because he wants his bride. Yes, he wants his bride, pure and spotless. And that is going to require us to be encountered by holiness. We cannot become pure and spotless if we're unwilling to, to have... Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to come close to holiness. Thank you for the intel. We're getting we're getting private messages and it's fun. <laughs> um, so anyway, we have to encounter holiness right now. And I get it. I get it. Trust me. I get it. I, I think for me personally, let me just expose myself before you right now. Um, I think that I intentionally shut down a part of myself long ago because it was bringing discomfort to me and to others around me. And so I just shut it down and decided that mm, don't know much about it. So I'm not going to know much about it. And I think that we all do this along the way where there is, there are things or aspects of ourselves that we don't understand. So we just shut it down. We shut the door on that thing and we're like, okay, God, all of this, but not this part. Right. And so I feel like that is what is resurfacing in me right now. I think that it's always been a part of who I am, but it's just not something that I allowed to be free in my life. And, and so my eyes are seeing things right now that I did not want to. I didn't want to have any part in. And, and so this for me is, is becoming like in the moment, God is showing me things and asking me to respond as him. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And so if you're experiencing anything like that, lean into the discomfort and maybe kick your shoes off you're standing on holy ground. You can't carry you into this moment. Take your shoes off and recognize where you're at. <clears throat> Are we having a Selah moment? No. Yeah. <laughs> We're pausing in his presence. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking how, how stubborn of a people we are. and Stubborn and stiff-necked? Yes. If you think about, and I'm not, I'm not just harping on the children of Israel here. I'm just using them as an example because it's biblical. Um, it's in the Bible. But 
they went through plagues that they know were sent by God to get them free. Pillar of fire, you know, a pillar of a cloud, right? A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. To protect them. A sea parted. Holy cow. He's so provisional. He fed them. The food apparently wasn't good enough, so he sent more, a different kind of food, so they could have two different kinds. Who doesn't want magic manna? <laughs> or birds that just fly around. Water in the middle of a desert, out of a rock, just from nowhere. Yeah. And they still wanted to go back to Egypt. Yeah. Because they were comfortable in their crap. That was comfort to them. That is what they knew. The freedom that was before them, the promise that was before them, they couldn't see it. They wanted to do it on their own. They couldn't understand. We have a, I think we have a trust factor when it comes to God. Yeah. Because we're so used to doing stuff on our own. Or we're okay with our bondage because it's a good, it's a safe place to go back to. Yeah. And I think there was a reason why God let them all wander and perish. Even, even Moses. I mean, it had to kind of suck for Moses. Yeah. He, he did all this. He was 120 years old. Promised land was right there. But I think that Moses was a deliverer. Yeah. And he had run his course. Well, the law couldn't go into the promise. The law couldn't go into the promise. <laughs> the law won't fit inside the promise. <laughs> yeah. He, he had done his thing. And I think God rewarded him by letting him see the land. Yeah. You know, and, you know, well done, Moses. I oh, mean, my gosh. Can you imagine, like, he sends in the spies? Yeah. And and 10 of them come back saying, there's giants. And, and Two of them come back are like, the fruit, dude. <laughs> Right. But I mean, I think that like if I were Moses and I, I've been preparing for 40 years mm -hmm. and they weren't supposed to be there 40 years, by the way, but to, to send in these these fellas to go and scope out the land and 10 of them come back with this negative report. That would have been so deflating. Yeah. But luckily he had Joshua and Caleb who were like, dude, I don't know what you were looking at, but. <laughs> and, and God actually rewarded Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two out of the 12 got that to go. got to go to the promised land. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you see and what you declare, because God's only going to take the ones that are going to fulfill his promises and, and let his blessings actually flow through them. Yes. You know, he, they're the ones that got to go. Yeah. All right. So be careful. And faith, guys. Well, backstory for me and Angie, my father has been sick for how long we've been 31 married? years. 31 years. Okay. The last day he walked on this earth was our wedding day. And there is a promise of his healing. And the, the neat thing, if you can say the neat thing about this, is we can't do anything. This has to be a God miracle for him to be raised up out of his bed. Mm -hmm. It has to be. All right. And trust me, I've gone from here to here, you know, to here in, in my trust and my faith in what God is going to do. And right now I'm here. All right. We meet with uh, 
Vince and Tiffany every Tuesday at my parents' house and we put worship on them, we pray. And I'm not kidding you. I am going to be so freaked out when he gets up. Okay, I am. It's going to scare the snot out of me. For those of you that don't know, (laughs) John's dad is bedridden. He can't do anything on his own. He's got a feeding tube, a trach. So, like, he really can't even breathe on his own. So, um, he has what's called multi-systems atrophy, which is similar to ALS. You're probably more familiar with that. So, just some history there. Yeah. But anyway, It would be a dramatic uprising. It'll be – it's going to be ridiculous. (laughs) I'm just saying. It's going to be ridiculous. And because – I mean, he's got, I'm not going to go there. Anyways, uh, but even with this situation, it's been going on for so long. I'm almost comfortable in it. Mm. I know how to take care of him. I know how to help my mom take care of him. We've had to move in with my parents because they're getting up there and uh, in age and they need help. She can't do it on her own anymore. And there's a comfort level knowing I can do this. I can make him comfortable doing this for him, doing this for him, doing this for him. And I'm not going to lie to you. There's a fear of when he gets healed, what are we going to do? All right. And I'm getting over that. I don't care anymore. That's selfish on my part. But, and I know it's in my mom because she's been in charge for 31 years, taking care of him. And, Yeah, we will. But you have to let go of the fear. Stop trying to do stuff on your own and let God fulfill his promise yes. and his blessings. If you get anything out of this, get that. Let go of your fear. Believe in that promise and just trust God. He's going to do what he says. He's going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I don't ever want to hear this from anybody when you're around me. He'll be better off when he gets to heaven. Death is not my dad's savior. Come on. Okay, Jesus is. The sacrifice of the cross, he's worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. His suffering will, will, my dad's healing is a reward for Jesus. Just like it is for us. Yes. Yes. Healing is the children's bread. Yes. And you know what? Show off, daddy. Please show off, God. Do your thing. All right. But trust. If you can do anything, trust, trust. You know, the saying, trust the process, trust the process, trust Jesus, trust God. They're going to do what they say they're going to do. Okay. He has nothing but good intentions for you. All right. And he has, it's nothing. The problem is, is we don't trust his good intentions and we try to do our own intentions. And then we create a mess and then we get mad at God. Are oh, you didn't do this? It's like, I've been here the whole time waiting on you to open your eyes because here it is. Okay. Yeah, I think that, that we um, get sucked into serving outcomes. Hmm. And we've already decided what the outcomes need to look like and the process in between. And that's actually not for us to decide. So when God throws in these different scenarios in the in-between, we get so rattled and then we're like, uh, I don't know about this. And, and so you have to give up the, what, what you think it's supposed to look like and allow him. I mean, do you think that, that Moses had any clue as to what it was going to look like to free Israel from Egypt? 
there's no way he could have imagined all of that up. So we have to let go of serving the outcome and keep all of your worship unto Jesus, or you're actually going to create yourself an idol and be bound to that rather than being bound to the heart of God. So it's, it, we have to constantly remember, we've been talking, we've been harping on David bringing God into Jerusalem and totally screwed up, take the, the first take and then had to come back and do it again. And, and every six steps, he offered up a sacrifice mm-hmm. to the Lord. And, and so we need to, every six steps, remember who we are bound to, who it is that we're serving. We're not serving outcomes. We, do, we cannot pretend to understand God's ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. But you, we, we do need to keep perspective here is that he sees all things and we don't. We don't. We have no idea how, like, um, I can't even think of a scenario. Okay. So a couple, a few weeks ago, while we were praying, God got a little crazy in the room and, <laughs> and, and things were certainly not going, excuse me, we had a pop up. Um, things were, things were not going the way that we would have planned. We think that we're going in there to pray for healing. And all of a sudden God is changing the scenario and, and, and asking us to contend and and break curses and and to have eyes to see you know the illegal activity that has tied him to the space that he is in John's dad is he and um and, and that has been awkward to, to be like I thought we were just here praying for a healing and and we're not he doesn't just heal he does a deep dive yeah. You know, and I was thinking, are you done? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking, I didn't want to interrupt, but I did anyways. Hi, Naisha. Hey, Naisha. gosh. Long time. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, about, you know, there's people that think I've I've gone my way for so long and done so many, many crappy things that I can't come back. Okay. I want to tell you a little quick story about Peter in the Bible. Okay. Peter... He hung out with Jesus for three years. In the garden, he didn't trust Jesus. He pulled the sword out, tried to do his own thing. Then he denied Jesus three times. All right. As as Jesus is being tried, he's sitting there denying the son of God because he had gone his own way and he got fearful. Yeah, Angie even said one time, maybe he just got possessed. We don't know. Because at one point, he's sitting there fighting. He's, he's ready to pull his sword out. He's cutting people's ears off. And the next moment, he's so scared, he's denying Jesus. Okay? He wasn't trusting the process. He did stuff on his own, and that confusion set in. I will fight to the death for you. No, I won't. I'm scared to death of dying now. And he went through this whole thing. And then when Jesus rose from the dead, he asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know I do. He said, then go feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. And then he asked him again, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, go do something else. I can't remember. Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. <laughs> he said it again. And the third time he asked him, "Do you, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was crushed. Mm. But what Jesus was doing, he was doing a deep dive into Peter. 
Okay. He went deep into Peter. You denied me three times. You just got restored, restored, restored with those threes. Do you love me? And then Peter turned into a bad, you know, what for Jesus. (laughs) All right. To the point he did give up his life for his savior. All right. God became so worth it to him. He was so intimate. His shadow guys was healing people. Do you get that? My shadow cools people off right now. (laughs) That's it. I need to get to the point where I'm so intimate. My shadow can heal people because Jesus is still the same yesterday, today and forever. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. So is God. So is God. (laughs) Well, they are one. (laughs) I know, but it's like we believe that Jesus somehow changed God and he's only allowed to show up squishy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we saw. (laughs) But my whole point is, is, you know, Peter had murder in his heart. Then he had fear and cowardice in his heart. I mean, that's that's stooping pretty low right there. And Jesus is still like, oh, buddy, you are going to be my rock. Let's get down to that. I just lulled. (laughs) Jesus, let's get down to where this seed is planted and let's dig it out, throw it out because my seed is better. So, yes. So we're just going to, we're just going to wrap this up in a nice little bow. Let God in. (laughs) Trust him. Let him in and trust him. Let him untangle the things. You're not going to understand it. Don't lean upon your own understanding. Proverbs three has been my thing for the last couple of weeks. Lean not, you need to get over it. (laughs) Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge God and he's going to make you straight. We straight. Yeah. Yeah. Trust. Hmm? Get possessed. Let's pray that. Okay. Do it. All right. Holy spirit. Just join with us. Okay. Just yield yourself to him right now. Holy spirit. We just invite you in. We have, we have done it our own way and we are kicking our shoes off right now. And we are understanding the holy ground that we are standing upon. And we just ask you to possess us. Mm. Have your way in us. Help us to get over our egos. That it's going to look messy. It's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to be disorienting. And we just don't care possess us do what you will we will trust you we're giving up our own understanding and we are leaning hard into you right now so come any way you want right now we are committed to turning and facing you and god i want to i want to come against fear right now uh i just feel like fear is I mean, there's that song, Fear is a Liar. Fear can take us and and put us into positions in our lives where Mm -hmm. the stupidest things we become afraid of. And so I want to come against that right now because Jesus did not live in fear. 
And guess what? He's inside of you. Yeah. All right. So I come against fear. Anybody that has fear or confusion, be free. All right? Yes. All right. Love you, people. Love you. Thanks for joining us. Yes. We'll see you Sunday morning at 1030-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs>